Advent does this interesting thing. It causes us to have to do this interesting thing, which is start looking at something that is really, really far out there. And as we get closer to Christmas, we then draw in really, really close. And so this morning we start with something that is way, way out there as Advent, a season of arrival, a season that reminds us of not just the coming of the Christ child, but the second coming of Christ who will come again. Advent starts with that second look, that second coming, that coming that is in a way, way, way out there. And so this morning, we turn to a gospel reading that accounts for the the prophecy and the coming of Christ, which will happen once again as we turn to the gospel of Mark. And we read from chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Hear now this reading of God's word. But in those days, after all that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be aware, keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper be on watch, therefore keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanksgiving is now behind us. Advent is here. But I don't know, it still seems like we all need just a break of sorts. Everything this year has been difficult in some way or another for everyone. And I think though, the, though we could say that about every year, between the virus 
And all that that has caused being away from family and friends and rhythms and traditions that bring us life. We've had the most active hurricane season on record. And thankfully, though, it has had very minor impact in North Carolina. The graphics on the news every night about tropical storm season. Oh, they still are a little bit of a something, aren't they? This election was a doozy. Individually, we have lost ones. Some have, we have lost loved ones to COVID. We have lost loved ones and not been able to grieve them the way that we like to. The way that we know how to. We're having to learn everything new. Our kids are at home at different times. They're virtual schooling while trying to do full-time jobs. And I suspect if we took a poll on turning the page on 2020, that would win in a landslide. That's one thing we all could like to move on from, if possible. And so it's tempting to want to just immerse ourselves in the warm, fuzzy, happy feelings of Christmas. It would be great to just sit, think about Christmas and ignore everything else. And I think we should do that some, but as an act of worship, our tradition dictates that we do something a little bit different. It means our our tradition dictates that we find our hope in something that is not as fleeting as a couple hours on the couch with a Hallmark Christmas movie. Our Christian hope reminds us and and forces us and and invites us to look at the the prophecies of God, which can be fear-inducing, but are really the only ways to find the hope that we need to sustain us through the most difficult of times. As it is the first Sunday of Advent, we're starting to see the signs of the season around us. The Advent wreath and candle are here. The weather has changed and is going to change more. Our neighbors have decorated their homes. Television and radio stations have moved on from the political ads, thank goodness, to ads with cars with big red bows on them again. Our conversation about the holidays has shifted, but that does bring us to this, what in my estimation is always the most jarring Sunday of the year. The skies will be darkened and no one knows when the coming will be. Each year on this Sunday, we turn to prophetic scriptures and and Mark tells this story about the coming again of the Lord. Isaiah read promises about what would come. And as we read those promises, mountains were shaking, fires were burning, there was anger and there was rage. And I don't know if it's just me or if I'm if we're supposed to be me, but this does all seem a little unsettling sometimes. 
Actually, every time, every year, it's unsettling when we come back to these passages. Because it seems like a time, and outside of the walls of this, this particular worship service, we are taking on just the promises of God. We are taking on the signs of the season. And in this Sunday of the year, and in this season of the year, though, the way we find hope is a little different than the way we find it during the other times of the year. Typically, we look at a scripture passage, we remember what God did, and then we affirm, because God did that thing then, God will do this thing again for us. Because God healed them, we believe God can heal us. Because God called them to that, God calls us to this. And then, in Advent, we light a candle of hope, but read a passage about meeting our Lord that exists way, way out in the future, we think. And really, the way Mark tells the story, it seems a bit ominous. I, I hope your faith is deeper and, and you find a little more hope in this passage than sometimes I do. But these passages about prophecy always make me a bit nervous. And it's strange, though, because facing the future is not something that typically makes me all that nervous. In so many ways, thinking about what's to come is what we do and what I do every day. Thinking about the future, thinking about change is not anxiety inducing for me, typically. And as silly as it may be, we watch the weather to plan our events for the next day. This is planning for the future. We watch the news to understand what's been happening so that we can prepare for what will happen in the days to come. In life, we have contingencies and alternative plans all the time. And we even have dreams, bucket lists, long-term prognostications about how things will play out for ourselves. And yet, the second coming is anxiety-inducing a little bit. And I guess as I preach to you and I preach to myself, the reminder is, then the hope is, that if we look far enough down the road and we claim the, the promises that we will be with the Lord, that, that God will gather us in from east and west, that then maybe we won't have to get nervous about this prophecy because we can start acting in a way that nurtures our faith because of the prophecy. And so we'll put a pin in that and come back to it in just a minute. Another way that we do this, though, outside of faith, is, say, with a financial advisor. That's not the only example I'm going to use, but a while back, Natalie and I met uh, online with our financial advisor, and one of the tools he had was this projection tool. Plugs in all the numbers from all the various accounts that you have, and and then gives you a readiness score, he called it. 
I suppose some of you have been through those conversations, those meetings. If you haven't, maybe you need to. But, but the point of this sermon is not to encourage you to call your retirement guy. Rather, it's to say that the, the retirement guy helps you feel what's going to happen pretty far off in order to give you the tools to adjust your plans today, to adjust your actions now. And it's not just the financial folks that do that. Consider coaches, teachers, leaders all the time do this. My son had a math test recently. We've all taken math tests. We've gotten through, most of us, the, um, all of the math tests we're going to need for the rest of our lives. But those math units that we took tests on built upon themselves. The pop quiz on Friday had a problem that was harder to solve than I could solve on Monday. And so each day's lesson built to what I needed to accomplish for Friday. Teachers do this in every class, not just math. And it happens here even at church. Many of you haven't been around at, say, 8.30 on a Wednesday night in late September. But if you were in this building, what you would hear were echoes of Christmas carols and holiday music. Long before Halloween or the state fair or Thanksgiving, the choir is in here practicing their holiday music because they know in most years that on the second Sunday night of Advent, they have to hang the greens. And on the fourth Sunday of Advent, there's lessons and carols. And they know that they can't wait till WRIL changes the music for them to change the music that they sing. They have a goal out there. They have a, something out there they need to accomplish. And so they start preparing for it way earlier than it seems normal. As they're still arriving for choir in their shorts and their flip-flops. They're singing the songs of this season. It happens in sports. If you've ever played a sport, you know that uh, your coach will have an idea about what's happening three or four or five games down the road. And they'll start putting in plays and strategies long before they need them. So that when the week comes and you are playing the best team of the year, your game plan doesn't look ominous. It looks like an opportunity. A way to work against these difficult foes because you've prepared. And we could talk countless other arenas and areas and ideas about preparation and whether it's sports or retirement or math. The reality is things are ominous when we're unprepared. And I suppose that's exactly why this is the way the year starts. This is the way the Advent season starts. 
Even when the thing that we have that's furthest from our minds, that we might want to talk about the least, is there. It's there because it's the preparation we need to consider possibly the most. Because the promise of God is not just that Jesus came once, but that he will come again. And and though we celebrate that first coming, we celebrate it in the same way we celebrate all those other scriptures, that because God did this thing once, he will do it again. We're accustomed to looking back at the promises that happen in order to inform what will happen. Which is why sometimes it's unsettling to look way far ahead. But the task of Advent is not just to look at the manger, but to look through it, to look beyond it, to the promise that even if things get ominous way out there, the Lord will provide, the Lord will meet us. If we've looked down that road and gotten ourselves ready. Of course, for some, a year like we've had, where everything seems to go wrong, is going to make you want to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know what? Let's just quote Ecclesiastes. We might as well eat and drink and be merry for we're going to die anyway. Who knows what's around the corner? So carpe diem. The thing is, though, that's not the way that read within the whole of Scripture, we are called to live. God promises, promises us a new way, a, a, a new day, a day that is better than the ones we have known, a day when we find more wholeness and more love and more healing than we can imagine if and when we are ready. And so the promise of looking to the end is that by looking at the end, we can prepare for something better. By looking beyond what it is we can imagine, we can begin to be ready to fully absorb that which God might do. By looking at the end, we can see the promises and help them come to life even now. Looking at those promises reminds me of a Christmas song, one I haven't heard yet this year, but one that we all hear just about every year. It's titled Someday at Christmas. Stevie Wonder sang it. Jack Johnson has sung it more recently, and the words are simple. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no wars when we have learned what Christmas is for. When we have found what life's really worth, there'll be peace on earth. Someday at Christmas, we'll see a land with no hungry children and no empty hands. One happy morning people will share in a world where people care. And someday at Christmas, man will not fail. Hate will be gone and love will prevail. Someday a new world that we can start with hope in every heart. Though that song feels a little less ominous than what Mark brings to the table this morning. The fact of the matter is the end game is the same. 
The end game is a life full of hope and, and of peace on earth and on peace in heaven. And I don't know if you and I can get there on our own, but I do know by, by understanding what the Lord is calling us to, we can. Someday the anxiety and fears caused by prophecies, promises of things that will happen way out in the future will, will be gone because, because someday the baby who was born to save us all from Satan's power where we had gone astray will fully do just that. But how do we get there? How do we embrace that? I suppose in in a way akin to the financial advisor's readiness score, we consider our spiritual readiness score. We do more than escape our anxieties. And instead we face them. We let the prophecies of Isaiah and Mark push us to realize that simply living with a fear for the future that we put away is not going to work. Instead, we face it. And we remember, like the servants, we are called to be ready. Because when we are ready, we can embrace whatever it is that's on the other side. And so today, on a Sunday when we would much rather read the happy, easy stories of Christmas, we face the prophecies. We face the big stories. We face the ones that are way out there with an eye towards doing that helps us discern how God is calling us today. By looking toward what is to come, we can be more ready now. And when we are more ready, no matter what anxiety stories like this might cause, we have no reason to fear. Instead, we can know we are prepared in great hope. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for each day that we have had and for the days that lie ahead. We ask you, Lord, to be with us, to guide us, to lead us, to care for us and to encourage us. And Lord, as we look out at the stories and the prophecies that lie way ahead, prepare us for what is to come and help us to prepare today in the hope that you will come and that we will experience your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just out there then, but even a little bit here today as well. Lord, be with us. Help us to be ready. In your name we pray. Amen.